keep on crack you man If you like merch as much as I do I strongly recommend you the website EpicMerchStore.com They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves and kids merch For more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore and metal bands from all around the planet So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Friends of Rome, After the Fall, Diesel, Boy, Crank, Straight Line, Polly, Randy and many more Oh, they also have a Tony Slide Reviews merch playing in Youth Brigade. We had such a rad conversation. I hope you're ready, my friends, because the show is starting now. Let's go. Hello, hello, punk rock humans. How are you today? I'm doing great, even if I'm super exhausted <laughs> of my weekend at the Pudza Fest in Montreal. Wow. You know the little, I don't know if you experiment this when you go to a festival, but the day after when you have to go back home, I always feel so depressed. <laughs> Plus with a lot of fatigue and exhaustion, but mostly depressed that it's over and I have to go back to my adult normal life. So that's how I feel right now. Because, you know, I spent the last three days watching shows all the time, like in the afternoon, at night. I, I saw so many friends, good friends. I met new friends. Oh, I felt like I was totally free in this world. <laughs> It was really, really fun. And at Puzza Fest, it's crazy because I have some friends that I only see there every year. I'm thinking about Casey from the label Tarantula. Uh, she's amazing and I spent a little time with her at some shows. Uh, so it's after when everything is, is over, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna miss those friends, <laughs> you know. I also met new friends that I, for instance, I interviewed on the podcast but never had the chance to, to see them in real life life it's the case for M Moore from Punk News so I interviewed her a few months ago and I finally had time to uh, to see her live at Maddie Gray's show Nick from Germany in the band Bloodstring as well it was super fun to meet him in person He's a publicist, so we had to collaborate together for to book some guests on the podcast, so it was really fun. I met also finally my friend Tracy, and oh, I'm so happy because a lot of listeners came to say hi and told me some good comments about the podcast, and it gave me 
it gave me so much energy and so much motivation. So thank you if you were there and just took a few minutes to, to talk to me. And it was fun to talk about music with some people. Another thing that made me super happy is to see a lot of my friends and bands because a lot of them were booked at Pusa Fest. Bands from Quebec City, from Montreal, um, from everywhere in the province of Quebec. So I think I, I had a great balance between seeing shows from my friends and the local scene versus seeing shows from international bands. It was great. So I arrived very early on Friday. So for me, Montreal is two hours and a half of a drive. I went there with Scott. Scott! Oh. The co-producer of the podcast and also my boyfriend. And when I arrived, I had to host a live radio show for CHYZ 94.3 with my co-worker, my partner in crime, Emilie Rioux. We were on the Fofon Electric Patio. We interviewed three local bands from Montreal. It was Capable, Rope Skills and Fortune Cookie Club. We also talked about the programmation of the festivals for the weekend. Then the show started. I saw so many bands. I won't name all of them, but it was fantastic. I think my favorite night, my favorite series of shows was, um, I would say Saturday night at Cleopatra Cafe because it was a very melodic, hardcore night. So you know how much I love that. I had the chance to finally see the band Record Thieves that I love so much. They're from Denver. I saw No Trigger. Oh, it was so good. And I discovered so many new bands that night. I was like, wow, it's incredible. I saw my friends in Wolfric again. They're so amazing. They're from Alberta. I hadn't seen them since like, oof, I would say four years. No, three years. Yeah. So I was super happy to see them. I got to the hotel very late. I got a few beers. <laughs> it was a party night. It was super, super fun. Yeah, that was definitely my favorite night. And on Sunday, I had some schedules problems because all the bands I wanted to see and watch, it was all at the same time. So I had to make difficult choices. So I went to see my friend Carl Bullets, uh, with whom I did three collabs covers. So he was playing with his band Speakeasy. I finally saw the band Julius Sumner Miller. Oh, wow. I knew, I knew they were playing great hardcore punk, but the vibe they were giving us was incredibly positive, incredibly good. And I think that the frontman was the best frontman of the weekend. I felt so great after this show. Then it was the Anti-Queens, and I'm always so impressed to see them live, honestly. They are so talented. Emily Bone's voice is incredible. Valérie Knox's guitar playing is fucking insane. <laughs> and both, are, both of them together makes me feel so powerful when I'm watching them. It's super great. So after the Anti-Queen, Scott wanted to go to the hotel and I was like, okay, I think my puzza is done maybe. So I went <laughs> outside, start walking toward the, the hotel and I was like, ah, no, my puzza is not over. No, I'm not ready. So <laughs> I said to Scott, you know what? I think I'm going to go back inside the foof and watch like two or three other bands. So that's what I did. And the last show of my puzza fest was a Montreal band, a ska band called Mafia. And then I was like, okay, I'm satisfied. 
The weekend is over. What a great night. And my heart and my head are full of great memories and a lot of repunkmentations material. So in the next weeks on the podcast and also on my weekly playlist, you're gonna hear a lot of stuff I discovered there. And I have a repunkmentation for you for a band that I had the chance to see from Salem, Massachusetts. It's called One Fall and I fell in love immediately with that band. Repunkmentation! The energy of the singer Helen is so positive, so great, made me smile a lot. Uh, they are playing a great melodic punk, skate punk, melodic hardcore. It was a punch in the face in a good way. And so I, I really wanted to, um, to make you discover them. Plus, all the band's members are really nice, really incredible. They were so happy to be at Puzza. I ran into them at other shows. They were just so fantastic. It's a pretty recent band and from what I understood, I'm not sure if I understood correctly because, you know, my English sometimes, but I heard that they might have had only one show prior to the Puzza Fest. So it was even, even more impressive. I just hope I understood correctly. If not, I'm really sorry. They released a little EP last year called One Fall. Let's listen to their song Slingshot.
welcome a new patron, Maud Desuro <laughs> from Montreal. She was at Pudza Fest. She's also a comedian. She did a stand up at the festival, and I'm so sad I missed her show because I was napping. <laughs> Alors, bienvenue, Maud, et merci pour ton support. Puis, good job pour ton beau travail d'humoriste. J'adore. So check the show notes if you want to subscribe to the Patreon and have access to all my Zoom interviews video in advance and some other exclusive content. And I take the occasion to thank all my 26 Patreons. It's so, so, so helpful. Thank you so much. It helps me to finance a lot of things, including the website host for the podcast, the Zoom subscription, also the visual artist, Caro, who does the really beautiful episodes, visuals every week. I also pay Scott from time to time for the edit and the co-production. Eventually, I would love to hire someone to do some video of my guests, stuff that I really don't have time to do. And I wish I could be better to promote the podcast on social medias with with nice videos and interview samples, you know. So, yeah, all of this is super helpful. Thank you so much. And thank you to all the punk rockers who also do some one-time donation on PayPal or buy me a coffee. You can check the show notes for that too. Hey. Repugmentation. All right, I want you to get a picture in your head. A strip club, downtown Montreal, called Cleopatra. You go upstairs into a farty little music joint. And there, rocking out, singing a song about bees, is Hellbent. They're from Canada, they love dogs, they love weed, they write songs about all of them, sometimes in pairs and triplicate, and they put on one of the greatest live shows I've ever seen. You gotta check them out the second they come to your town, don't know when that is, be an adult, Google it, and in the meantime, this last one's called The Bong Song.
Yeah, if you've never been to the Puzza Fest, you definitely have to experiment this once in your life. If you've ever been to the fest in Florida, it's very similar and Puzza Fest was inspired originally by the fest. So it's kind of a similar vibe. Speaking of great punk rock festivals, there's one that is on my bucket list. I've never been there and I really want to. It's the Punk Rock Bowling in Vegas. And every year I'm so happy to see a lot of photos, videos, footage on social medias because people there seem to live their best life. So that's why I'm super stoked to have Sean Stern on the show this week. Interview. He's the owner of the festival, so we talked a lot about that. We talked about the evolution of the punk rock bowling, the challenges through the years, this year lineup, how was the first edition, the importance of booking new bands. We also talked about how streaming services are killing literally the music industry. And we talk about his legendary band, Youth Brigade. Enjoy! This episode of the Punk Rocket Show is brought to you by the label Iodine Recordings. Their catalog includes great punk, pop punk, and hardcore bands like Smoke or Fire, The Iron Roses, Hey Tanks, Stretch Armstrong, The Darling Fire, and many, many more. It's not complicated. All the bands on Iodine Recordings are a great fit on this podcast, and the label is run by great humans with good values. Oh, and if you're a vinyl lover like I am, check their selection of gorgeous colored LPs. Thank you so much, Iodine, for supporting this podcast. Check the show notes or visit iodinerecords.com and enjoy this episode. Recording in progress. Nice to meet you. Thanks for being my guest. Oh, nice to meet you too. And yeah. I'm honored to be your guest. Oh, thank you. So where are you right now on this crazy planet? I always ask interviews with this question. <laughs> I am in Venice Beach, California. Oh, so you're not in Vegas. Not yet. Next oh. week. I don't live in Vegas. I live here in Venice and in, in oh. sunny Los Angeles. Mm. But I, I think you're Canadian. Am I right? I am Canadian. Yeah. Yes. Are you French Canadian? Yes, I'm Quebecois. Quebecois. Yeah. Quebecois. Yeah. Where Where are you from originally? I I read like it. You're from Toronto. Hmm. I am. And why? You are correct. You read correctly. Ah, <laughs> I did my homework. Um, but why did you move originally? Because I think it, uh, you were young. My My father was a doctor, mm. and he got bored of being a doctor, and he started writing shows for CBC. And then he started getting jobs in L.A. Oh, and wow. was coming out to L.A. for six, nine months at a time working and finally just said, okay, this is where my job is. So the whole family moved in 1970. He got bored of being a doctor and then he, he chose a artistic life. That's great. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. Were you very inspired by that at the time or you were too young to just realize? Well, yeah, I mean... I didn't really realize what that was. I, for sure, when I was older, when I was in high school, I definitely, um, I mean, that, that, that definitely had an impact on me that my father 
you know, was so confident that he thought, yeah, I went to medical school. I was a doctor. It's not for me. Mm. I'm just going to go try something different. And, and he was successful. So then you can say like, so I'm going to be a musician, a punk musician. Ha! You have nothing <laughs> to say against that. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't really a thought. It just sort of happened. But yeah. So, you know, the fact that we were able to just do what we wanted to do and never really thought, oh, how I, I never really thought, oh, wow, how am I going to do this? And I, I guess I never really thought about the mm -hmm. fact that my dad It's just, I guess, sort of, you know, maybe it's genetics. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you were also very close to your, your brothers. Yeah. Mm. And you yeah, there's four boys in the family, so oh. uh, no girls. No. Good. And so now um, I guess you're pretty busy this, these days with the festival. Yep. Very busy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we're. I'll, I'll be flying out to Vegas a week uh, next Wednesday, so and I'll be there for a week. Mm. Yeah. Good, yeah. So what's left to do, like a week prior to the festival? What's the last thing you have to deal with these days? Oh, just uh, spending money, paying for all the stuff that we have to get, making sure that the team, everybody's on the same page, and that the things that we've discussed for all these months are going to happen and, you know, mm. fix all the little problems that will inevitably pop up. because it's just, it just always happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the time where you're like, okay, everything is supposed to be fine, but I don't know what <laughs> you're like, uh, it, you're dealing with fires, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a great festival director and with Kathy Mason and, and her team. So, They, they usually don't even bother to tell me about the fires oh. um, unless it involves me spending more money. Mm -hmm. And they ask me, hey, we're going to have to do this. It's going to cost you this. Yeah. And then I'll say, that's ridiculous. How about we try this? And they'll <laughs> say, no, that's just not going to work. And I'll say, fine, <laughs> get it done, fix it. Yeah, okay. So you're more, you're more in the decisional things more than the operational things. Yep. Mm. In fact, she's calling me right now. I'm going to tell her <laughs> on, on another interview. That's really live. I like that. You can tell yep. her, yes, take my money. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Uh, that's funny. Um, but let's rewind the tape a little. Uh, how did the idea of doing the festival come up originally? I think it was at the end of the 90s, so it was Yeah. Like great yeah. year. Great year for doing it for sure. But yeah, what happened was um, this guy who worked at BYO, his name is Andre Duguay. He was from, I think. Sounds Quebecois. Upstate. Yeah, but he's not. But he's from the East Coast. I, I think he, he lived in up maybe in Ma Massachusetts or New Hampshire or something. He was doing a fanzine in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But somehow. Um, so we knew him from that. And then he wrote us and said, he's moving to LA and he, he eventually started working for our label for BYO. Mm -hmm. And one day he said, Oh, I heard that fat records is doing a bowling league up in San Francisco. We should do one here in LA. And you know, I like to bowl. And my brother, Mark likes to yeah. bowl. And we all like to bowl. So he said, sure. So we organized this league that was for 
once a week we would get together and it was other other labels at Epitaph and mm. Fearless was there and bands and zines and you know promoters and just friends that were in the in the punk scene. Um, so we did that. It was a lot of fun. And when it was over, uh, Mark and I said to each other, we should go to Vegas and just do a, a bowling tournament, you know, for a weekend. Wow. So we, we, we picked a weekend, the, a three-day weekend, President's Day weekend, which is in January, which at the time, bands didn't really tour so much in the middle of winter, which I think is smart because yeah. it's freezing cold unless you're going down to Australia or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the first year was pretty small. We had 27 teams, but it was fun. We had, you know, and each year it would grow um, to the point where at one point there were 200 bowling teams. Wow. We would always have a, a, a show the Friday night kickoff. Saturday we would bowl in the afternoon. Bands would organize their own shows at different clubs around Vegas on Saturday night. And then we would bowl. The playoffs would be on Sunday and we would have a, an awards party where basically it was just drunken debauchery going on <laughs> yeah. um, with bands and it was fun. And that, that's what we did for the first uh, um, 10 years. And then a guy showed up when we were just finishing up the, the, the tournament one year in 2010 and said, I have a new state of the art bowling alley. You should come to my casino and check it out. And we said, yeah, we don't care. And he said, but I also have, an amphitheater there that holds 3,500 people. And we said, that we care oh, about. Oh, oh, now oh, yeah. it seems interesting. Now we can actually do a festival. And that's how the actual festival part started. We did it there. We sold out 3,500 tickets each day. Um, we went to go back there. They wanted to raise double and triple the prices. And we said, screw you. So we went downtown Vegas. And we've been downtown Vegas ever since, mm. um, since 2011. Um, and it, you know, this, this grew from a party for our friends and bands to become a full fledged, um, music festival, punk rock music festival that it just grew. And every year it sort of gets a little bigger and a little bigger and yeah, it's yeah. fun. That's crazy, man. You know what? I heard about punk rock bowling. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I started a radio show 19 years ago, so probably 15 years ago. And at first, I thought it was a joke. Like, really? That's. Uh, but then I found out it was true. It was really like a big thing. And it, it was actually about bowling first, which that's yeah. why I thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> a lot of people... They come to the festival now. Don't they know nothing about the bowling? They don't sure. know that they're still bowling. The bowling is not nearly as big as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And you have the people that were coming for the bowling before going. It's not the same, but you know things change. What are you going to do? But you can still bowl if you want. But now there's a big festival. Yeah, I saw an announcement about that on your social media. So it's still a thing. Yeah. But I'm happy, and I'm. It's fun to know that it was the really original idea. It was really about yeah. bowling. Yeah. Yeah, it just morphed into an, a full-fledged festival. And the ladies that are doing the social media have been coming since it was just the party. They were, they were there pretty early on, yeah. so they know. Wow. And what inspired you to keep going every year? It was because, you, like you said, it, it, it was slowly but surely expanding and... So what keeps you motivated still? Well, I mean, 
you know, we had a record label for many years mm-hmm. uh, and the digital revolution for all the wonderful things that have happened has also, you know, companies like Spotify and streaming have destroyed the, the record industry. Oh yeah. Um, so basically you, as a musician, you've morphed from, well, I go and I tour and I sell records to make a living mm-hmm. to now I have to tour more because I can't sell records anymore because as you probably know, Spotify pays oh. independent artists like most punk rock bands um, are independent. They pay one one hundredth of a penny per stream. It's nothing. I know. And they they made these rates. It's 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 ridiculous. It should should never have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so you make your money going out and playing live and sell your music and your merchandise on tour directly to the fans, which is is fine mm-hmm. so but but that business of the label was pretty much over um and running this music festival became our new full-time job really oh that's great yeah yeah and at what time did you realize it was getting very big and people from all around the world would come and uh, did you you know did you notice a certain point in I mean, we've always had people coming from uh, other places because we have bands, you know, from yeah. other places. So people come. But yeah, I think probably around when we moved to the, so we were in one lot in 2012 and we moved to this dirt lot up the street for about next couple of years. I think the last show that we did on that dirt lot before we knew, moved to the next bigger size lot, mm-hmm. we it was the year we had Devo. And that's when I thought, wow, you know. <laughs> we got Devo. That's a pretty big deal. People were, some people were bitching. Devo's not a punk band. And I said, you're crazy. I saw them in 1978. Wow. At the Starwood. And they're very much a punk rock band. Maybe they became famous and got pop hits on the radio. Doesn't mean they're not a punk band. Yeah. And they put on an amazing show. We've had them twice and it was, it was awesome both times. Mm. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, and so, probably ev- evaluated in many ways but what are the the challenge the challenges you faced back in the days versus today it's probably not the same challenges no i mean things have, as the festivals have grown you have more stuff i mean when we started it's much smaller um one stage now we're at two stages never you know there's all it's a lot more expensive to put it on but we yeah. also have three times the amount of people showing up so um Hmm. You know, I, I still think it's it's small enough that it's kind of, I won't say intimate, but it's it's a great community where you can go and you can have a good time. And it's not when you go to some of these festivals where there's 50,000 people yeah, and you yeah, can't yeah. Really see the band. You're way in the back and you, it's like you see these tiny little people. And I, that's not so much fun yeah, to me. It's, you, know? you still keep the community spirit. Yeah, I've never been exactly. there. I wish I I'd go eventually, but that's well, well, that's what hopefully I heard. you'll make it. Yeah, mm. but that's what I heard from people. Like they have their best life there, and they. Well, I asked questions for you, and a lot of people just said I don't have any question, but I just want to mention that I had one of my favorite punk rock memories there, and awesome. so that that's. That makes me very, very happy to hear because that's what we do this for, you know? Mm-hmm. We do it for the people to come and have a good time. Yeah, and I bet the bands really like this too. Yeah, they do. We 
we we tell all the bands, even the ones whether you're playing the festival or you're playing the club show, if you stay the weekend, you're in free to the festival every yeah. day. Oh, because yeah. wow. we want everybody. It, it, it's our community, you know. Oops, sorry. That's my that's my <laughs> alarm to 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 um need my bread, but it's okay. I can wait. <laughs> So now Vegas also have uh, also has the punk rock museum. So do you yeah. think it's going to have an influence on punk rock bowling and the opposite, the other vice way? Vice versa. Yeah, um, vice versa. Yeah, I mean, sure. It's you know, it, it, the punk rock museum is run by many of our friends who've been yeah. coming to punk rock bowling all these years. So for sure, I would expect a lot of the people at punk rock bowling to go to the punk rock museum. Um, is it check close? It out. Is it physically close to each other? Uh, it's pretty close. I mean, you could walk there. It'll take you about 30, 30 40 minutes, oh, which I wouldn't recommend in the, in the in the heat. But um, it's not that far. No. Uh, and you know, you can get a ride there. It takes you less than 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, so that's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. So I bet. Yeah, there's gonna have uh, some people visiting the museum and. I sure. would do that personally. I would try to match both if I went there. Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you're all the way in Vegas, if you come for punk rock bowling, it kind of makes sense. Well, I'm going to go check out the museum because it's brand new. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what about the lineup this year? What are the people can check I'm, the programmation, but what are the bands you're really happy to have this year? Well, yeah, I mean, we're sold out. So yeah. Um, but I, I mean, obviously having the headliners who all three have played, but they're favorites and, you know, love to see Rancid and Bad Religion and Dropkick Murphys, um, you know, and the Damned are coming back, which is wonderful. Um, Suicidal Tendencies, The Interrupters, yeah. lots of good bands on the top. But what I'm most excited for is, um, and I've said this in, in many interviews and in discussions with my friends, is that I had really... You know, for me, punk rock is protest music. And I'd hoped that, you know, when um, Trump got elected, I'd hoped that a lot of young people would pick up instruments and start playing. Um, it happened a little, but not as much as I mm -hmm. thought. It took a little while. I think COVID definitely oh, yeah. pushed a lot of people to do that. So um, we have more bands with young people in them this year than ever before. Nice. New bands. Um, people under the age of 30, some even teenagers, which is yeah. awesome. More bands with women in them, new bands, which is awesome. More diversity. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time looking. It's funny because in Vegas, I, I'm sorry to say, Vegas is a strange place, but the scene there is very small mm. um, and there wasn't a lot of young new bands. But now because of COVID, a bunch of bands started. I guess kids were bored and weren't going to school for a while. And they started doing backyard parties. A lot of kids, families from L.A. moved out during COVID. Um, they were on to mm. maybe getting opportunities to, to for jobs. So we've got about a 10 or 12 Vegas bands playing this year, oh, which is great. Wow. Yeah. And um, so I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of them. There's a band that, you know, my band Youth Brigade just played the other yeah. night. We did three shows in L.A. just sort of to warm up because we have a new drummer, because my brother has left the band. Oh, I didn't um, know. Oh. Yeah, we didn't really advertise it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, uh, um, we, we, I put this band, two bands that are playing the festival, Speed of Light 
and Madam Bombs. They're both from LA. They're both really great. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward. They did, did great at our show. And I, I told them you're going to have a really good time. But they're both, I put them both on the festival and I put Speed of Light on a club show with the Chisel from London. Mm-hmm. And I put Madam Bombs on a pool party as well. Um, so they get to play twice, which mm. is going to be fun for them. Um, we played with another band called Shock Therapy, a young band from down in Orange County. Very new wave influence with keyboards and synthesizers. Really, really funny band. Uh, nice. So there's a lot that, are, that it's going to be really interesting to see. And I, I know that I, I, I know that people who come really appreciate the fact that we're finding new bands all the time and introducing them to bands that they didn't know anything about, which which is great. That to me, yeah. that's. That's what I look forward to when I go to a festival is I want to see some new stuff, you know? Definitely. And I think, it's my opinion, but I think that festivals have a responsibility to do that. I agree. Yeah. Like... 100%. I mean, venues, normal venues too, but especially festivals because that's what give a, a real chance to a lot of new bands. Even yep. if they play early or whatever but but they're on the on the lineup they are on the the visual and people i like to google and i say oh that's a band i never heard about i'm gonna check them i'm gonna check their band camp so yep exactly exactly we and we we do our best through our social media and our website to focus all that attention and get you know give them the opportunity for people to check them out before Mm -hmm. listen to a song hopefully get excited and go, you know what, I'm going to go early and check this band out. Yeah. That's the plan. That's the plan, at least. And I think, that because I heard previously from other festivals that, oh, we need to make money, so we don't need a lot of, we we have to prioritize bigger bands, and I totally get this, but it's not true that you won't sell enough tickets if you put more young bands or, you know. So it's great that you do it. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a balance there, right? You're going to put the bands that help sell tickets, but you want to expose those people to a new wave of younger bands because those older bands, especially in the situation with us where we have a lot of bands that are from the 80s playing, (laughs) and those bands can't play forever. So we need to help it's kind of like you know and you could use the sports analogy we need the farm team right mm-hmm. we need to bring in the the young kids and help them you know expose them to a wider audience and and help them i mean i've been doing yeah. that with my record company and you know my my brother and i we we've always done that with when we did touring in the 80s and the 90s we would always try and help out other bands we would always champion playing with local bands when mm-hmm. we went to a town we didn't I didn't like to do packages, you know. I, I want to go to each town and I want to play with a local band and meet them and see what's going on there, you know. Yeah. that That's part of the fun for me of touring was to meet people in the town and see what the scene is like there. And, you know, it's not just, oh, I'm here, I'm playing, get my money and I see you later. Nice. I, I always like to hang out and talk to people and check out the city. Yeah, and that's how you influence younger bands too, and you can change their life. You never know. Yep. Mm. yep. Good. Oh, and you're talking about like political and stuff, but I heard that Greg Graffin is gonna sign his books at the festival. Well, right. at the not at the festival, but we we do a 
a merchandise store on Friday to to get people, mm-hmm. you know, the VIP people get a bunch of stuff. So they just come and pick it up and bowlers get a poster as part of the deal. So they pick that up. So he's going to be there for that, you know, come, come see Greg Graff and buy a book maybe, maybe. or talk to him or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Punk rock paradox. I need to read it. I haven't, I should order that book. <laughs> Probably very, very smart. and <laughs> Very interesting. Um, So a lot of people ask me, like, <laughs> do you think uh, punk rock bowling could be exported to Germany and Europe and Quebec uh, like punk and droblick does? Is it possible? I think you did already. Uh, yeah, yeah. Somewhere we, else in we, the U.S.? We but... tried that. We did New Jersey. I, I, I was not really a fan of the idea. Mm-hmm. And it, it did okay. But the problem is, is that doing what we do in... Las Vegas, you can't you can't duplicate that anywhere else. Yeah. Las Vegas is such a weird, unique city. You just can't. It has so many hotels. It has a bunch of bowling centers. It has a lot of space, um, and the weather is you know nice. Sometimes hot, but nice. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't really do that in Berlin or Quebec. It would be a different sort of thing, but you know. Trying to and think I, in Quebec City. I, I kind of feel, I, I, I believe in working with what I know and what I know is Southern California punk rock. And that's the majority, probably 60% of the people that go to punk rock bowling are coming from Southern California. Mm-hmm. And so. to be honest, I'm, I'm thinking about Quebec City and mm, we have a good bowling place. <laughs> But <Yeah. laughs> I don't know if you can fit like 200 teams <laughs> no. there. <laughs> no. You... And that's what that we, we ran up against that in Jersey too, so Asbury Park. So yeah. since it's still about bowling, we need to respect that in Quebec City, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Plus, but... you guys play five pin there. What is that? That's not even really bowling. <laughs> <laughs> that's a half bowling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you, you mentioned it, but through all those years, uh, you 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 had been playing with your brigade too, and you had a label. So how did you manage this, and how are you still manage all of this? Because I, running a festival, it's all year long. It's not just it is, two no, weeks yeah. prior to the festival. Yeah, I, I have no idea how we managed <laughs> to do it. We we don't we never really sit down and go, okay, let's make a plan. Here here's our one year plan. Here's our five year plan. It's just. You know, it's that's the thing about DIY. <laughs> DIY is always about, well, we need to do this. Okay, let's figure it out and let's do it and make mm-hmm. it happen. You know, and I mean, back to what you were asking before about my father, probably, even though we never talked about it, I, I guess mm-hmm. to a certain degree, I saw that he, you know, just said, oh, I'm going to do this. And he did it. So it's my mentality too. And thankfully, luckily, Um, miraculously, I don't know what it is. I've been extremely um, successful in being able to do the things that I set out to do mm-hmm. pretty well. You know, yeah. um, not everything is a huge success, but I've been able to pull it off. And sometimes I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> One day at a time, it fits for exactly. that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what you do. You just one foot in front of the other. Yeah, and sometimes it's from 
the outside, it's easy to say that, oh my God, this man is so busy. And people say that about me because I have a full-time job. I have two bands and two podcasts. <laughs> but wow. but they, they're like, how can you manage this? And I'm like, yeah, it's I'm very busy, but I, I still nap every day. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. I still watch. I woke up at 4 a.m. I'm going to oh. need a nap today. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. How is it? How was your day to day to stay? I asked that question to. Um, uh, oh, what's her name? I forget. Damn. She's working with the punk rock. Lisa. Lisa Brownlee from oh, yeah. punk rock bowling. And I was like, yeah. you're so busy. What's your day-to-day -day life? Like, uh, how do you manage your schedule every day? So so you you wake up very early. Wait, what? what I, I'm curious to hear. What did Lisa say? Oh, but uh, she, she talked to me more about her organization, like phone calls and schedule. Uh -huh. She talked to me about her cats, but I think she still have time to cuddle with her cats. <laughs> well, I mean, she does work for the punk rock museum in las vegas out of new york so. yeah yeah she ha oh yeah when, when, <laughs> i remember she she told me yeah it's it's kind of a problem now i have to go to vegas but i but i can't i don't want to live there so i was like yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, exactly. i remember that yeah so you wake yeah. up very early at four no i didn't plan on it i just had oh. so much on my mind i woke up at four oh. and i couldn't fall back asleep Yeah. But yeah, normally I get up about six, six thirty. But I, I mean, I'm a surfer. I, I haven't ah. been surfing much in the last few years because I've been really busy. Um, and you know, haven't had a lot of time, but it's normal for me to get up early. And now it's crunch time, so I have lots of stuff to deal oh, with. Oh yeah. Now for the next two weeks it's like probably very overwhelming. But you still have hobbies. That's one of my question. You still yep. surf? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, for yeah. people seem busy, but sometimes they still have time to uh, do something well, else. It's I'm fun. lucky enough that I work for myself. So even though I'm busy working all the time, if I need to take time off, mm -hmm. I can I, I can ask the boss, which is me. So it makes it easy. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, you talked about some shows you made with the band, but what's next for Youth Brigade? Well, we're going to play in Vegas at the club show with the Swing and Utters. Oh, um, right. On Friday, a week Fun. from tomorrow. And then, I don't know, I, I'm get the, get the festival done. I'm going to Italy mm. for a holiday um, with my partner because that's where she's from. Oh, and great. I'm just going to eat like a pig and drink like a drunkard <laughs> and have a good time. I hope you're... If you find a good Prosecco, just send me send me a, a picture of the bottle. <laughs> I love Prosecco so much. Uh, ah, yeah. Good yeah. Stuff. So, like, because I know that for festivals, owner, right after the edition is done, okay, they take a little vacation, but then they're back to work. So, But I'm happy you'll take the time to, uh, <laughs> to unwind in Italy. Yep. Uh, that's great. And what about the label? Um, we, you know, we, we made a deal with this new label called trust records, um, about two years ago where they basically bought a controlling interest in our catalog. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, cause I wasn't doing anything with it. Um, you know, can't really sell records anymore. They, they think they can. And I said, Hey, if you want to go and do it. So they've been making box sets and 
we put it, we put out the seven seconds in a box set, aggression yeah. in a box set. We're going to do the Youth Brigade first record, The Sound and Fury. So this is the 40-year anniversary mm-hmm. of our release. And uh, a box set will come out later this year. And then I don't know. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm so busy with the festival. I thought that with the the vinyl buzz, is it a, I don't know if I can say that this way. The vinyl yeah. passion, passion yeah. of people, it would increase sellings, but it's still not enough to catch up, like nah. compared to like in the what it was back 70s. in the eighties, yeah. no, <laughs> or even no. the nineties, no, not even no, close. Those, day, those days are never coming back, which. It's fine for me because I, I think vinyl was a, a horrible environmental waste of material and stuff. This and is then true. CDs were a little bit better, but also horrible waste. So for me, the digital um, downloading with iTunes was perfect. Mm-hmm. iTunes was great. They paid 70% of the money to the, oh. the band and label. Oh. And so it was, it was great. I loved it. I'm all great. No more manufacturing, no more polluting not, mm-hmm. you know i understand why people want to hold a record or, or even a cd yeah but you know you can get your music digitally cut all that out mm-hmm. it's great um, and then spotify and streaming happened and that killed that part of the business yeah what's left <laughs> festivals well, what shows. spotify wants to do and i heard somebody from spotify being interviewed a few years ago they were talking about how they were creating playlists And they were going to create mood music. So what they want to do is they want, because you have to listen to what the language they say. They don't refer to musicians as artists. They refer to them as content creators, creators right? Oh, yeah. which, which basically um, it, it's demeaning to me to, to refer to. I'm not a content creator. I'm a musician who's making art that is unique to what I believe and what I, you know, as are all the other musicians that mm-hmm. I love, that we all love, you know, and what what the narrative for Spotify and other, unfortunately, other people in the digital, mm-hmm. in these digital businesses, well, we don't want to pay the musicians royalties, so we'll just create music and buy that music, and then we don't have to pay any royalties. We made a model, you know, these all these companies, they made a model of selling product right but music may have become a commodity to sell but still something that's very unique to the people that make it and the people that listen to it Mm. it's not like shoes you know it's not clothing it's not you know so to me it's pretty despicable how these people believe that somehow they are more important than what they're you know, than the, the music that they somehow are selling that I didn't, we didn't ask them, see, they, they, they now control this business mm-hmm. and not just for music, for other forms of art, film, TV, yeah. uh, you know, uh, books, everything, right. They now control it because it's a commodity. Um, and they demean and devalue the people that create it because in their minds, well, you know, I'll just, And this is going to be the next thing. I'll just create it with a computer and AI is going to be the next thing. You've already oh, seen yeah. it. That's what they're all pushing for. This is why you have the strike right now in Hollywood with the writers and the actors oh, are going to go on strike. I didn't and know. And the directors will probably go on strike. Yeah. Tell me more Because about that. Yeah. all those streaming companies like Netflix and stuff don't pay residuals, right? If you were made movies or TV 
you know, 10, 15 years ago, not everybody that worked on it, but the people on the mm-hmm. top, they would get money when the movie or the TV yeah. show was shown again, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Netflix oh. doesn't do that. They, oh. th- their attitude is we're just going to buy this, we pay you your fee, and then we're done, right? We don't have to pay you anymore. I mean, if you if you want to have a discussion and an argument about paying res- royalties, residuals, or whatever, that's a discussion that can be had, but they never actually entered that discussion. They just said, it's, a lot of these businesses, it's like, well, no, no, we're on the internet, so all those rules and regulations and laws, yeah, they don't apply to us because we're something new and different. And the, you know, and unfortunately, lawmakers, especially in this country, haven't done shit to fix that most of the time. So it's destroyed a lot of business, or, or it's in the process of destroying a lot of businesses. Yeah, it's um, a very toxic streaming culture, right? And they, yeah. like you said, they exploiting the holes in the law or like the thing that we haven't think about to protect yep. copyrights and stuff. So, mm. yeah. And I, AI is the next one because oh. AI can mimic and create, you know, something that sounds like that, but isn't. And then there'll be all these lawsuits saying your computer just stole my, my sound or my music or whatever. Uh, and then they'll be forced to make some sort of laws. <laughs> They should do a Black Mirror episode about that. It's fucked up. I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> yeah, there's a new season on Netflix, yeah. ironically. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's definitely something scary. And as a podcaster and a radio host, I don't know what to do about that because I do playlists and I wish I could have a better solution than Spotify to make playlists and make people discover new musics, new yeah. music and new bands and stuff. But I, I really can't find the solution yet. No. Of what well, am because I the genie's do? out of the bottle. Spotify created this model. The, added, the attitude was, no, we're just like a library. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not really, because you just created this thing that's easily accessible for people and you don't pay. You, you decided we're going to pay this. Take it or leave it. Yeah, and... And that's a lot of people use this as their only and main way to 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 listen to music. So yep, yep, I know. It started with a compliment, compliment of you have a CD and you want to know the the new song you listen to on yep. Spotify, but you still have CDs. But now it's migrating, migrating. Yeah, yeah, to, but that's on purpose. Yeah. They forced that part of the business out. They squeezed them out. Well, you don't need CD. Just come to us and we'll 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 give you all the music. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I started the radio show like almost 20 years ago and I used to have my CDs in a in a binder. <laughs> Play I that remember. changed a lot. When some t- at some point it's really more convenient for podcasters. Oh, absolutely, but that's yeah. why it's so popular. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yep. Still, still think about what could be the best. But one thing is to go to festivals and to go to live shows for sure. Yeah, that's pretty much. If you love music and you want to support those musicians and artists to be able to make a living, so they can keep making music, you need to go out to live shows because that's the way they that's 90% of our income these days 
mm-hmm. by 95. And, and it's fun. Yeah. And it creates memories. Great punk rock memories. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was a great conversation. Hey, thank you. Anything yeah, else you want fun. to talk about? Something I I don't know about you or another project you have before we go? No, I think I think we covered everything we need to. Nice. So have a good nap, maybe. <laughs> yeah, hopefully in a bit. Have a great festival and a great vacation after that, and thank maybe you. we'll talk next year about the other edition. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye.
to your favorite platform so you won't miss any episodes. You can also subscribe to the Patreon page if you want to spend some money and help me finance all of this. And the most important thing is to share the episodes on your social medias and tag me, Punk Rocket. This helps a lot because I don't want to pay any ads and get some random people. I really want to attract real punk rockers as listeners. Next week, my guest will be the legendary Dave Smalley from All Dag Nasty. Don't buy la and don't sleep. It was a great chat once again. But until then, punk your life. See you next week. Bye-bye.